stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. Hey there, welcome to Ignited the Podcast, where we celebrate innovation and rural success. I'm Wade Cleveland. I work for a rural innovation hub called Ignite, a place that brings startups and industry, youth and community together with the goal of making an impact on rural communities everywhere. Today I'm chatting with Amy Harrison, solopreneur and, as she puts it on her website, the creative spark behind Pixels and Pieces, her marketing slash graphic design company based out of Dartmouth. Amy wanted to become a business owner and she had a plan in place and, like many, was forced to pivot when COVID hit. We'll hear that story in a few minutes. Not only does Pixels and Pieces help you develop and execute your branding, but Amy spends a lot of time empowering others to do the same through her speaking and teaching engagements. Amy, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Hi, Wade. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you're a graphic artist and have been for a long time. How did what you did lead you to what you're doing now? Uh, Well, so I've been a graphic and web designer for 20 years now. And uh, honestly, I've never stopped designing. I've done a few different jobs in my career, uh, a lot of communications positions where I would do writing as well as design. I decided uh, just almost four years ago now to break out on my own and become a solo entrepreneur. Um, Some of it was due to kind of square peg, round hole, corporate environment, which uh, for me has actually been um, kind of topped off by a late midlife um, ADHD diagnosis. So I realized I wasn't fitting in, wasn't happy in those environments. And there's a really good reason why. But I've flourished as an entrepreneur and I'm I'm really happy to be designing for all sorts of clients all across North America. Was it scary getting started? becoming a solopreneur kind of it leaves you on your own quite literally what was that like tell us a little bit about it um you know I'm really lucky in a couple of ways so the first way that I was lucky was that I do have a great partner at home Um, my husband David who has a uh, kind of fancy government job and we had a conversation where I said hey you know what I'm thinking about taking this risk what do you think about that um and we kind of mapped out what it could look like there might be months where I'm, I have a lot of income. There might be months where I don't. And how is that going to work with our family? And the second reason of why I'm really lucky is that I did go through the SEED program. So here in Halifax, the Center for Entrepreneur um, Education and Development has a program where if you were like me, and you, like I had gotten laid off because of a bit of restructuring. So I was able to keep my unemployment insurance while I was building my business. And I was really, really lucky to be able to meet on a very regular basis with not only a business advisor, but also with another group of my peers who are entrepreneurs as well. And so, you know, we were all going through all of the same feelings and learnings and everything together. Let's talk a little bit about that. Seed actually is one of the partners of Ignite, and uh, I know that they do really great work. So tell us a little bit about that, how long that process was. And and you talked about the fact that you kind of ended up with a a group where, you know, there was some camaraderie and that kind of thing, and you could kind of grow together. What was that like? Well, you know, I guess I'll count myself three times lucky because I completed all of the in-person coursework in March 2020. (laughs) I got to go in person 
So I started in December 2019. Um, we started going to classes, you know, three to four times a week. And I got to sit with this group of people. We were um, taught basic entrepreneurial concepts by some really great instructors there. And we were really all focusing in on our own ideas. And the good thing about a program like that is that you can look at your own business, but then have other people look at your business idea and the way you're thinking you're going to run things from a completely different perspective. And so they might come up with an idea or a solution for you that you'd never think of on your own. You know, I was quite conscientious through the course that, um, you know, I was making comments on other people's like ideas, uh, you know, their babies. And, you know, I think all of us really came out the other side with much better business plans and business ideas than we would have had we just been on our own. It's kind of interesting because in the same way that you count yourself lucky that uh, you were just finishing off everything live just as COVID hit, you're also no. starting up your business just as COVID hit. Yes. Um, although you're, a lot of that is based online, of course, but there had to be challenges because of that. There was actually. So the business idea that I had started off with um, was to be a promotional product producer. So I bought something called a Glowforge. It's a laser engraving machine. And I thought, hey, you know what? I could design and, and print and, and cut these custom promotional products with this Glowforge. And so I bought the machine before Christmas and was starting up things and doing all that. And I launched my website on April 1st, 2020, and then all of the events went away overnight. Um, yeah. So the word pivot, you know, was really uh, pivotal to me. I decided pretty <laughs> much by May, June, I had to pivot back to doing branding and web design because, you know, there just wasn't anything happening for two years. So I still do the laser stuff. I do have a handful of clients. I do some name tags and coasters and things like that. Um, but my 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 bread and butter really come from branding design and web design at this point. Because your skills actually align with what was going on anyway. And you, as I was saying, you have an absolutely wonderful website there that you developed. How do you grow mm. that from nothing? Uh, that that's something that I find really fascinating because you've you've built up a very nice business there. Yeah, thank you. Um, where did you go out and kind of promote? How did the building of the business happen? I wish I had a magic bullet answer. You know, I wish I could say, you just do this one thing. You know, that's really what we're all looking for. I think for me, it was a combination of a few different things. So I did networking, talking to people. It's one of the things I learned about quite uh, vividly in the SEED program was like how to talk to people. I did online marketing. So, you know, starting up social media presence, that sort of thing. And then I, I like I started off an email list as well. Um, it's, it's been a lot of trial and error. Um, but it's also been a lot of slow building, you know, and I'm continuing to do that to this day. Um, and the more networking you do, more referrals come in, you know, you're online and social media, more people get to know you that way. I've done a ton of workshops. So I've, di I've diversified my marketing efforts to grow my business. And then I've also diversified my offerings. Um, in terms of branding a website design, but I also do a ton of public speaking. Like this summer, I'm actually doing a series with Staples to do Canva training. 
And I've learned that diversifying all around, like in your offerings and in your marketing, is the wisest choice. Because if you don't get the results out of any one of those things, then you're not really hurting. <laughs> Does that make sense? Going to ask about that, actually, because everything seems quite organic. I mean, you have some real graphic skills and the ability to design, but you do a lot of other things. Uh, and seminars are one of those. Have you always... Have you always been able to speak with people in that way? Um, or is that a skill you had to kind of learn? You know, um, I have always been the person who wants to empower others. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Simon Sinek's work, Find Your Why. Yeah, I uh, he is nodding yes. Um, my why is to empower others so that we see opportunity. I've always, even in my corporate world, I've always been the person that people used to ask tech questions like, oh, how do we format that? Or what's the formula for this? And instead of just doing it for someone, I will show them, you know, teach Amanda Fish kind of thing. It's just always been a reflex. And I've always really enjoyed teaching. And when I went through the find your why exercise, like empowerment was really a no brainer word for me. So I've always really had that skill and I'm really happy to be able to share all of my knowledge with as many people as I can. And it's going very well. Not just that part of it, but I have to tell you, in kind of exploring what you do, I kind of got lost in your oh. blogs. Your blogs <laughs> hey. are fantastic. You're a very you. good writer. And I really enjoy reading the blogs that you have. I look forward to checking oh, them thanks. out all the time on your on your website. So even that writing part, is that something that you had to develop or is that something that kind of came naturally um, as well? Well, so in my sort of career, I mean, about, you know, 20-ish years, ago, after I got my graphic design diploma, I decided to go to Acadia and get an English degree. <laughs> and, you know, there's a variety of reasons why, but I guess maybe I thought that that was the, the right thing to do at the time. Um, so, you know, I really did develop these writing skills then. So, and like I said, all these communications jobs that I've had have all required writing as well. So it's a skill that I've, I've been able to use all along the way. Okay. So as you continue to build and build everything up as you've been going. Uh, how's progress been? What what kind of challenges are you running into? Um, you know, one of the most interesting challenges that I'm going through right now is tactic fatigue. So there are many, many people out there who all know many, many things. I Sometimes I say myself, I know about 12,000 things. And in order to become a thought leader, in order to attract people to buy your course, services, whatever, you know, we're all publishing content. And one of the things that you have to be as an entrepreneur is, you know, you have to be a lifelong learner. And so anytime you see something that you don't know, you're like, oh, you know, I, I want to go and learn more about that. And so, you know, I'm subscribed to probably more newsletters than I should be right now. So in my inbox, I get all these, you know, emails with, um, with all these tactics in it. So sales tactics, marketing tactics, you know, email marketing, this social media, that, and sometimes I just get fatigued by all of them coming to my inbox. And so my challenge right now is um, trying to figure out what I'm doing, you know, like I, okay, I need to do this. And th this is my plan for the next three months. And then like these shiny tactics come in and I'm like, ah, does this fit into my plan or does it not? So I, I, yeah, I call it shiny, shiny tactic syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And there are so many of those because you can, you can literally get lost in them. Uh, um, you're one of those people who are doing 
that kind of teaching. I don't know if you're doing tactics, mm. but you you certainly are doing yep. well. You're doing branding, that kind of thing. So that's kind of an interesting yeah. observation. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what you do mm. and branding generally. We've had marketers on our podcast before, people who have done things like social media and then general branding and that kind of thing, or general mm-hmm. marketing. But what you do is much more specific than that because a lot of it involves finding your brand literally in your logo and making your website yeah. look fantastic and things like mm-hmm. that. What do you look for in branding these days? Um, well, I actually am a little bit of a, a different um, than a lot of branding experts out there. Um, my approach to branding is very DIY friendly. I know that tons of people um, do not have agency budgets. They may have a budget to hire someone like me. I sort of position myself between I'm more than a one and done logo service, like your Fiverr, your Upwork, whatever. I'm, I'm more than that. I'm going to deliver a one-on-one quality customer experience, but I'm not an agency. You know, I'm just, I'm me. And it's a good thing because you get all of me all at once. Um, you know, there's no, well, I, I wrote an article, what, what did I call it? Middle manager meddling. <laughs> there's none of that happening. But, you know, yeah. so I'm very um, practical and I'm very DIY focused. So a lot of times when I'm approached by a client to say, hey, you know what? I need to rebrand. Um, I want to change my name or I'm, you know, I've niched down a little bit and I want to really go after this other audience. And one of the things I'm doing is like prototyping logos in Canva because I know they're going to be in there doing all the other things, social media posts, presentations, all that, that they're not going to want to hire me to do. Um, They want to do it themselves, which is fine. So I'm in Canva and I'm really um, prototyping the logo in terms of what fonts we're going to be using what colors we're going to be using, like shapes and styles, that kind of thing. So I do a lot of that. Um, I do a lot of forward thinking, and I think that is my ADHD brain speaking as well. So I'm thinking, okay, so we're, you know, here's the color, font, shape, and style of your logo. How is that going to work on a t-shirt, on a banner, on your social, on your website? Like how, how is that all going to work when you try to apply it to all of these things? So I'm very practical in that way, you know, so I I do a lot of chatting with my clients to make a match between the fonts and the feelings and the colors. So fonts and feelings, fonts and colors, they project certain feelings, you know, red is like stop, blue can be calming, um, green can be fresh, like depending on the context of your business. And one of the most common errors that I see people are making is that they just pick colors. They just pick them at random. You know, that oh, I like purple. Purple's great. But you're an accountant and all of your clients are corporations that may not appreciate pink and purple. You know, so there's not there's not a fit there. And that really harms your brand over time. So I really help people make this practical match between the colors and fonts that you're using and the feelings you want people to feel about your business. Um, and a lot of it I'm doing in Canva and, and I use some other tools as well. So I think a lot of people start off and maybe that's a bit of a misstep. Um, they start off, well, this is what I like, right? And I honestly think that what you like should be number three. So number one should be a correct match between how you want people to feel and the things that actually portray those feelings. You know, if you want people to trust you, like let's say you're a financial advisor or a payroll specialist, whatever, 
you know, you want people to trust you. Well, blue is the color of trust. So it's like, you know, if you're having pink and purple and bright orange in there, you're not you're not taking advantage of colors and fonts and how they communicate. That's that's, all, that's number one is this match. Number two is, again, this practicality. You know, some people are like, well, I would like these seven colors in my logo. Well, that's great. Um, but <laughs> you're going to start to run into problems. How do you how do you start to put that? You, like, OK, you want to put it on a T-shirt? Great. So t-shirt companies, they charge by the color. And if you have seven, <laughs> that is going to cost you a lot of money in the long run. So, you know, trying to figure out um, a small three to four colors that really go together well, um, that are harmonious and, you know, are communicating well. And then the third is that you like it. So like generally, by the time we get to number three, after going through those three, those other two steps, they do like it because they understand. They're like, yeah, you know what, my customers are other corporations and or other companies on B2B. I, I, so I need some blue. I, yes, I'm in the financial sector. Maybe I need some green in there, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I mean, there might be a small bit of lament about like, oh, but Barbie pink is my favorite color. Yes, but it's not about you. It's about your clients and you want to attract them. And you need to be able to communicate like your logo needs to be able to communicate with you when you're not there, when you can't tell your story. I want to tell you about our Igniting Women in Business series at Ignite, providing rural women entrepreneurs an opportunity to connect, learn, and build their network through a series of initiatives, including a speaker series, gala, and retreat. We hope to inspire and empower rural women in business across the province. The theme is relearning through a women's lens. The sessions offer a space for women to discuss challenges that are faced by rural women in entrepreneurship, with opportunities to learn, network, and socialize. For more information on Igniting Women in Business and to sign up for our events newsletter, visit igniteatlantic.com. Starting off, usually with a new client, you'd start with a one-on-one. Uh, how is that done? How long does that process usually take? Um, usually um, we have like, well, I, I mean, some people call it a discovery call or a discovery meeting, that kind of thing where, you know, I uncover all of the bits. So they have a little bit of homework ahead of our first meeting where they talk about what are the feelings you want people to feel about your company? Do you have specific colors that you absolutely will not use or you do absolutely want to use? And they tell me a lot about their business and what their values are as a business. Usually after I get that information, um, you know, we have a quick meeting to to chat about it. And then I kind of go away for a couple of weeks and do my thing. So do my creative thing. I can't rush creativity. Sometimes I get an idea in the shower, right? So it usually takes a couple of weeks for me to to really come up with, again, the colors, the fonts, the shapes, the style. Um, I do some competition research in that process. I go and look at who are your main competitors in that space. Um, what do they look like? In some cases, it's really pretty easy um, to take your company and put it up ahead of a lot of people because some very common mistakes are made in your competitors. So it's a really good opportunity for you to get ahead of them. So after I've had a couple of weeks to go through things, I end up doing a live design session. So that's not something that not every designer will offer that, but I do. Again, it's mainly in Canva where we I show you what I've come up with. You know, there's probably a few different options and I go through why I've made the choices that I've made. And we step through color, font, shape, style, and we keep going until you're happy. And sometimes that's a single session. Sometimes that's multiple sessions, depends on the client. 
I do have a couple of different packages. So some packages offer more of my time than others. Like I, I have a, a product called Logo Fix in a Day where it's literally an afternoon. I spend the morning doing my thing. And then in the afternoon, we get together and go through that process in a pretty fast pace. And, you know, by the end of the afternoon, you have a new logo and you're happy. That's really awesome. How are you picking up clients? Are you getting your clients through word of mouth? Is it the majority of people finding you on online? Is it SEO? What, um, how does it work Again, for you? it's a diversified effort. So last year, um, over 50% were from referrals. So doing that networking is really important. There's lots of people that I've come to know as colleagues uh, locally. Um, I've joined some other networking groups that are national. And some people have found me that way. Some people have found me through workshops as well. So I've done different workshops like with Staples and Digital Nova Scotia. I've done it with Seed, I've, you know, all NSCC, tons of different organizations. So some people will find me that way. Like CBDC, you know, one of my one of my biggest clients right now, um, she was uh, going through the CBDC self-employment program and came to one of my workshops and was like, okay, <laughs> you know what? I know nothing about this. We really have to fix all sorts of things. So I'm doing a big project with her right now. So it's a, it's a variety of different ways. Again, like I wish there was like one magic bullet answer to say, yeah, do that. There are things like SEO where, you know, in social media where you just have to keep planting the seeds. Like you just have to keep putting things out there. They take longer. Sometimes I've done some cold outreach, but it hasn't been as successful as the referrals or the workshops. Are you doing the workshops in person or are um, they most done of them virtually? Are virtual. How does that work? Um, all of the Staples ones have been virtual. Actually, I think 100% of them have been virtual now that I think about it. Yeah, I think they're <laughs> they're super fun. Um, I try and make them as interactive as possible that you can follow along with me. I usually provide a handout. Sometimes depending on the size, depending on the size of the group and depending on uh, the time of day, like um, I've done different kinds where it's like here I'll just show you the very basics of Canva and you go you know go fill your boots and let me know if you have questions or and sometimes I've done like click here or click here like click along with me kind of thing this must keep you very busy because again you are yes. literally a solopreneur uh everything is you and and that's part of what you advertise actually yep. is when when you get me you get all of me um, I'm working with a content specialist right now and a marketing. I did get a grant with a marketing agency to help me gain some focus on all those marketing efforts that I'm trying to figure out how to do. So, I mean, I think, you know, mm -hmm. just setting yourself up with expectations and, and your own boundaries, you know, like I know that because I'm a solopreneur, it's about 50-50. So if it's 50% client work and 50% business development. You know, I use tools like Google Calendar. Um, I have a CRM, Dubsado, that I use to help me track all of my clients. Um, and I'm just constantly keeping track of, okay, here's my goal. What do I need to to get there? And really, once I get to my goal, I'm I'm done. I just stop. You know, um, I don't have I don't have anybody else to report to. There's no one reporting to me. So the benefit of a solopreneur is that when I reach my goal, I'm, I'm done. And sometimes that means I can take two weeks off or I can take, uh, you know, Friday afternoons off or or sometimes it does mean, you know, like I'm <laughs> my husband cooks dinner because I'm I'm still in a meeting or things like that. But 
I think one of the reasons that I became an entrepreneur was to really have autonomy over my own time. So managing it is a high priority for me. And I feel like I've done it well. I've been able to take as much time off as I ever have in any other job, arguably way more time to do whatever I like. But I, I have a lot of flexibility. And I think that helps too, because yeah, you know what? If my husband has a hockey game on a Saturday morning, sure, I can check a few emails. No big deal, right? But then, you know, if if I need to take to the dog to the vet in the middle of the day, like that can happen too. So, you know, it's, I won't lie, it, it's challenging to manage it, but I'm, I'm really happy to do so because it gives me the flexibility that I want. Do you have any advice for a solopreneur who may be listening right now and thinking of getting started? Uh, is there one thing that comes to mind that you would give no, them as a piece of advice? No, that's kind of a tough one. I would say find your people. A solo entrepreneur does mean that the responsibility is solely on you, but in terms of what clients you work with, who you get advice from, who you can vent some frustrations to, who you can learn from, all these things. Find your people. So find, even if it's locally or if it's on a networking group, if it's part of an organization, find your people because you may feel the pressure to do so many things on your own, but guaranteed there is other people out there who are having the same problems, the same challenges, who have been there, done that and can really help you. That's a great piece of advice. To find out more about Amy and Pixels and Pieces, visit their website, pixelsandpieces.ca. To find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out igniteatlantic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribed to Ignited, shared us with your friends, and gave us a good review. And remember, you can find past episodes anytime by looking over our archive wherever you download your pods. We'd love to hear from you. Any comments or suggestions about the podcast or who you'd like to hear on it, maybe that's you, are most welcome. Email me at wade, W-A-D-E, at igniteatlantic.com. I'm Wade Cleveland. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.